friends and welcome to the what's right show sam rajofsky here your host nevada's favorite recovering californian behind the what's right show microphone lots to go over today i uh given the late hour of the week want to get to a story here that's very important and it's gotten lost in all of the stuff that is Uh, that has obviously taken precedence in the news, Trump's indictment, for example. So I'm, yeah, well, and we've got the Devin Archer stuff, all the Hunter Biden misadventures. And uh, so I, but I want to get to this credit down, uh, down rating because this is, this is an enormously significant story. America's credit rating was bumped down this week. And it's not an insignificant deal. This doesn't happen very often. So we went from, well, here's the scoop. Right? We went from a triple A to a double A plus. Uh, this is the Fitch Credit Ratings Agency uh, had, had given us this downgrade. And uh, the reasons, by the way, the reasons are completely opposite to what you're hearing in the mainstream media because they're all busy blaming it on Republicans. They're blaming it on House Republicans, because, of course, Republicans held out in approving the budget, seeking to get concessions uh, when it came, comes to spending. And the, the, the funny thing is, is <laughs> obviously, I understand that the Biden administration doesn't want to take any responsibility for this. But the reason, the very specific reason, because Fitch doesn't just downgrade the credit rating, they explain why. And they specifically cited rising deficits and the high GDP to debt ratio, which this year totals 112, almost 113%. So the quote from their explanation on this, as the yield on U.S. Treasuries marches higher, the cost to service the debt is exploding, and the Treasury is suspending an annualized $1 trillion. And that's according to the latest monthly data. So this interest expense adds to the deficit, which then snowballs into a faster-growing debt. Now, all of this is a fact. You, you just can't deny it. The, the, the rising deficits, this is what the Republicans were fighting against. This is what the House of Representatives sought to stop or to at least find, at least reduce it, Right? But only in the upside-down world of Democrat logic would the effort to reduce the debt ratio, the deficits, the spending in this country, only, would, only in the world of, of, yeah, of, of, of Democrat insanity would that be a reason for why the efforts to reduce spending be the reason for why the credit rating went down. The fact, simple fact of this is that we are spending, and the Biden administration is spending money at an unprecedented rate. And the problem is, is that when they talk and they get up there and say, well, we've reduced spending and we're, we're cutting expenses, we this budget is... No, the budget, you're basing it. The Biden team is basing it based on COVID numbers. And we all well know that those COVID numbers are uh, astronomical. We were spending 
money to get ourselves out of a potentially enormous recession. Now, I, I you know, still have major reservations about the way COVID money was spent and the amount of it that was helicopter dropped into the economy. I personally don't think that this is a, a way to run an economy. And I think that the, the, the effects now, the negative effects, the shock at coming out of that enormous uh, easing, a quantitative easing that really means just dropping and printing, not necessarily printing money, but digitally creating more dollars and dropping in the economy as, as a price we're going to be paying for years to come. But I want you to, when, whenever you hear Biden talk about how we're cutting spending and how, you know, we're doing everything right, you just, you got to imagine in terms of a budget, right? If your budget is, let's say it's 65 grand a year, whatever, that's your total budget week. And, and last year, you spent 35K for a new car. So your budget last year, years before it's 70, 65, 62, 67K a year, but last year it was 100K. That's now, you use that as your new baseline, say, oh, I cut my spending 5,000 this year, down to 95K. See, we, we, we're, we're 5%, we're spending 5% less but it's still 50% more than you were spending the year before. You've just adjusted, and this is what Team Biden has done. They've adjusted the baseline up based on COVID-era spending, which I think everybody agrees was unusual and astronomical. That's what they're doing. And the reason, I mean, what happens when you spend or I spend more money than we have and our credit card balances go up. What happens to our credit? In real time, you and I experience a downgrade in credit, right? Because that's a key indicator of our credit worthiness. This is why people it's recommended to open credit cards and, and, and keep a zero balance on them. Uh, because this is, this is something that helps build over time your, your, your consumer credit rating. Very important. It's based... On, on, yeah, making payments on time, that's one thing. But, but the other part of it is how much of your, of your available credit, revolving credit, you're using. And, and our revolving credit numbers as a country continue to skyrocket. And Team Biden is just standing around going, well, I don't know how this happened. And by the way, we're going to blame the Republicans. And they're shocked by it. Or at least pretending to be shocked by it. And all the Biden officials running around this week going, well, it's the Republicans' fault, the Republicans, Republicans, Republicans. And it's, it's an enormous, enormous cop-out. So on Wednesday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, gave a statement as to this when the news of this credit rating downgrade uh, came out. And, and, and she just appeared to be shocked. This is her. Listen to this. I mean, this is the last person on the planet that ought to be shocked. Overall annual inflation has declined every month for the past year, and our economy continues to grow. In the longer term, the United States remains the world's largest, most dynamic, and most innovative economy with the strongest financial system in the world. Fitch's decision is puzzling in light of the economic strength we see in the United States. I strongly disagree with Fitch's decision, and I believe it is entirely unwarranted. Oh, yeah, she strongly disagrees with their decision. Maybe, maybe your boss 
needs to stop producing budgets that are in fantasy land. Maybe your boss, Joe Biden, ought to be listening to congressional Republicans, particularly those extreme MAGA-type Republicans who think that our national debt and our deficit is spiraling out of control. Here's the sobering reality. Fitch ratings, who did this downgrade, they're not mentioning the the near shutdown of government. They're not talking about that. They're talking about predicting a recession that starts in the fourth quarter of 23, later this year, and extends to and through the first quarter of 24. They also predict that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates. So again, the Federal Reserve here, <laughs> it's, just, it's nuts. Treasury Secretary says, I don't know how this happens. This, we strongly disagree. And everything's rosy and great. No, only in Bidenomics world is everything rosy and great. And that's, that's this, this kind of reality avoidance is what absolutely gets me. Now, speaking of re- reality avoidance, this is, this now dovetails into a very important conversation about the indictment itself of Donald Trump. Now, you're probably wondering how and why, because how does this economic death spiral connect into this? Well, one, you have to remember that when, you know, and I keep reading this indictment over and over again, the one that was uh, dropped earlier this week, Jack Smith uh, filing the true bill there in, uh, uh, in, in Washington, D.C., and remember, it's not just something where Jack Smith is, 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 is filing a criminal complaint against Donald Trump for exercising his freedom of speech. It's also his actions as president. Now, why is that significant? There have been examples in our nation's history of presidents who have willfully disregarded the advice of their uh, people and have gone on to do things that are unconstitutional. I'll give you an example. Back in 2014, you remember when, when, when Barack Obama s- said that the Senate was, was in recess, so he, he put in a bunch of uh, appointments in, and you know it was, it was an outrageous move, right? I mean, he, was, he, <laughs> he got slapped down. The, the Supreme Court came back after he did that, and unanimously, I mean, all nine justices said, uh-uh, you can't do that, it's unconstitutional. Now, I'm pretty certain that somebody in Obama's administration at that point said, hey, uh, boss, um, you can't do that. I mean, it's, it's a non-starter, right? Do you think that maybe when the whole student loan debacle was going down and, and Biden announced that he was just going to wipe $400 billion of student debt off the table, that somebody inside the Biden White House said, hey, boss, hey, President Biden, you can't do that. That's unconstitutional. Even Nancy Pelosi made a public statement saying it was unconstitutional. The president didn't have power to do it. He did it anyway. By the Jack Smith, Donald Trump standard, you would, <laughs> these become now criminal acts. So how does it tie into all this going on with, with, the, with, the, uh, with the national debt? Well, you have the president disregarding basic economics and pressing forward with an absolutely foolhardy agenda. And again, by the Jack Smith standard, you know, maybe this is criminal conduct. So I, I, I tell you, you have an administration here who is 
absolutely wholesale disregarding reality, economic reality, constitutional reality. And they're using this administration at the same time is using its own Justice Department, its own radical prosecutors to pursue a now former president for doing the same, according to them. That's why this is all unprecedented and outrageous. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. The United States of Samerica. Yes, welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. 702-820-1234. Now, this credit rating, this downgrade, we went from a AAA to a AA plus which is just one notch below. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. The greatest country in the world should not suffer this indignity. By the way, the last time that this occurred uh, was we had our credit rating downgraded when Obama was president. And, oh, and who was stinking around the the vice president's office? Uh, None other than Joe Biden. Uh, That was back in 2011. Yeah, 2011. April, uh, the AAA rating uh, was downgraded by Standard and Poor's. Uh, so anyway, um, it was uh, look. Look, uh, this is this is what Democrats do. They preside over this country's decline. Now, there's always an excuse for it. There's always an explanation. There's always a something said that is um, well that is used to explain this all away. Richard Haas, uh, yesterday on MSNBC's Morning Joe, he's a um, well, he's connected to the Biden team. He's a he's a um, yeah, he's a former finance secretary, uh, press secretary, who uh, does a lot of talking publicly about the economy and is always covering for the Bidens. So blame the GOP House for this. Listen to what he said and how he says it. And it's funny because um, I, I'm, I, I have a comment on this where I, I think he opened a thought here that he didn't exactly complete, which I will do for him. It was an odd time for Fitch to do this, the rating service, simply because the, the news is pretty good about the U.S. economy, both absolutely and, and, and relative to others. But if you take a step back. I think they are on to something. It's, as you said, Joe, it's the massive accumulation of debt. But really what they focused in on was the politics of Washington. And it's actually consistent with the, the story of the, of, of the week, which is the dysfunctionality of American politics, the fact that we've come up to the edge several times. Republicans left town. Virtually none of the spending bills got, got dealt with. They're going to come back. Uh, and, and then what? And there's no confidence, essentially, that the politics of Washington will allow the United States to, to deal with these issues. Okay. So, all right. So, the, the, according to the Biden people, this is all because, yeah, there's, there's, we got a lot of debt. We have a big deficit. OK, 
Okay, we acknowledge that, but really this is dysfunction. The Republicans left town. None of the spending bills got dealt with. There's dysfunction. And you know what? Do you think it's coincidental that the credit rating of the United States is downgraded on the same day that the newest indictment against Donald Trump goes down? Do you think perhaps if you want to go and explain this away as a political response by Fitch, do you think perhaps these credit rating agencies are looking at us and going, how now the United States is turning into a country no better than Honduras or any other banana republic? I don't mean to pick just on Honduras, but I'm just saying one of these countries where depending on who's in power, they sick the full authority of the state on their political opponents, jailing or threatening to jail polit- political opposition leaders. I mean, th- th- that has to figure in all of this. And it is, to me, it's unbelievable that you can have these people go out on TV and, and go, oh, it's the Republicans' politics. It's the dysfunctionality of American politics. How the hell... Do Democrats get away complaining about the dysfunctionality of American politics? <laughs> How can they do that? <laughs> These are this is sociopathy, like uh, on a level that I, I don't know if I, even I've ever seen before. Reality denialism, and whether you whether you explain it away with. Trump derangement syndrome. I could could Pfizer please come up with a vaccine for these poor Democrats who are so beside themselves with Trump rage that think that Trump has been out of office for two years and they still cannot let it go. There's got to be some sort of some sort of therapy for this, and this. This anger is driving Democrats to absolutely screw this country over and talk about dysfunctionality of American politics. It is at unprecedented levels, but at the hands of a norm-defying Democratic Party. Every one of the articles that I have read and every bit of news, you know, talking heads speaking about this, analyzing it, that I've seen— and heard in the mainstream media, from the New York Times to CNN, they all describe how this week is unprecedented in our nation's history. And what they don't understand is it's norm-defying. If you didn't, I don't know how many more times I need to say this, if you didn't charge Stacey Abrams, if you didn't charge Hillary Clinton, if you didn't charge John Kerry, Al Gore, and every other Democrat that blatantly and obviously publicly worked to subvert democracy by denying the outcome of an election where these people all were the losers and now are charging Donald Trump because this was unprecedented. No, because you cannot get over yourselves and are taking the country down to hell with you. And until these Democrats get slapped upside the head, this uh, this country is on a precipitous path down 
to a not to, to not a friendly place. Let me tell you this. Okay, gotta take a break. Sam Rajovsky, News Talking at 40 KXN team. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Be back in a moment, folks. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit salmonashlaw.com. This is a fun one, folks. This is just a little bit of a lighthearted story, really, at the end of the day, that is, I'll call this Nevada adjacent, particularly Vegas. Uh, adjacent. Sam Rajoski here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. All right, the LA Times today had a piece that made me laugh out loud. If you, like me, live in Las Vegas, Nevada, you've noticed something that's been going on here the last few years. And uh, it's, we see a lot of people moving into our neighborhoods, don't we? They move in, they come in and the car that parks in the driveway has, okay, I don't want to shock you here, people, but uh, they've got California plates. And this is, <laughs> well, it's, hey, hey, it includes me. I'm, this is, I'm just, I remember what it was like when we came here and all of a sudden showed up and, you know, on the drive, you know, in the driveway. And I, I changed my places as, as quickly as I, I could. I didn't care that I was giving up on still valid registration on my car. I wanted to I wanted to put Nevada plates on my cars right away. But you know, you be I, for a hot minute there I was pulling up into my my new house and people coming out and squinting, looking at my license plates going, ah, "Another you know what from California." Ugh. Well, <laughs> this is this story. <laughs> okay, this is LA Times today. Here's the headline of the, of the story, and this really is – this is a story about – the reason I'm sharing this with you first, I'll just tell you, is because it calls – it perfectly sums up just how misleading the media can be. The title of the piece, L.A. County could have 1.7 million fewer people by 2060. It's not because residents are leaving. That's the headline. There's not even a subheadline. That's the headline. That's it. So I see this and I go, oh my gosh, what are, how, are, how else are they going to explain this? So I decided to read the piece. And I didn't get into, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five paragraphs, six paragraphs in. Are you ready for it? <laughs> this is so good. Producer Robbie, you're going to laugh when I read this. Okay, and I haven't run this by, by Robbie yet, so he's, I don't think he's seen this article. Quote, statewide, the population is expected to remain flat during the same time frame with low birth rates and net migration out. And net migration out cited as the main factors in the projection. So the th- Literally, the headlines say it's not because residents are leaving, but then six paragraphs, seven paragraphs in, it immediately says, yeah, it's because people are leaving. It's one of the two main factors. Um, We're going to put it number two, but it's one of the main factors. Yeah. It continues. 
L.A. County, the state's largest, is expected to lose far more people in total numbers than any other county. The county is forecast to lose a higher proportion of its population than all but six others, all of which currently have under 50,000 residents. Okay, why do, why do you think people are leaving L.A.? And by the way, not all these people are going to, to Vegas, right? They're not all moving out of state. I, I know a number of L.A. people that, for example, are moving down to Orange County. In Orange County, California, it's just south of L.A., we were talking about it this week on this program. They actually arrest criminals. People steal, and they go to jail. L.A. County catch and release, cite cite people, you know, and and let them on their merry way, and shoplifters go back and back and back and back, and stores are leaving, and life is miserable, and people are sitting around scratching their heads going, why does it suck to live here? And newspapers like the L.A. Times won't write about it. They will not link it up because then they would have to admit that their entire political agenda is a disaster and an abject failure. They've got this guy here, Andres Gallardo, a demographer with the Department of Finance for the county. So this is an expert here uh, who is, well, he's, yeah, he's an, and yeah, right, county employee, exactly. <laughs> He, he, probably, he probably makes 150k a year doing nothing. He works four days a week from, from, from his house. Zooms in, you know, maybe once a month. Okay, so what does Gallardo say? Yeah, they, 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 oh, there's a steep drop-off in births. That's another thing that they're citing. But then Gallardo also noted that declining birth rates are an international trend and not confined to the Golden State. Yeah, no crap, Sherlock. <laughs> what is more, and I'm quoting this from the, from the article, what is more pronounced here, though, is that net, is net migration out of major cities, a phenomenon associated with high housing costs in Los Angeles County and the prevalence of remote work. Okay, Gallardo's only saying that because he works remotely. And he's complaining about the high cost of living. It's not about the high cost of living. Cities have always been expensive relative to living in in the countryside. That's not what this is. (laughs) I don't know. Do you you understand here where, um, where the problem is? One, most people only read headlines. So there's a whole group of of, of folks that uh, glances, they subscribe to the LA Times because they're, they're leftists. I subscribe because I need to stay informed here and read what the opposition is writing in order to be best informed to provide you cutting-edge analysis here on the show every day. But there are people, you know, buy a subscription. They see the headline. They don't even read the story if they read maybe the first paragraph. They don't get to the part that totally disqualifies the headline. And then these people go and vote. They go and vote. And worse yet, when the, you know, the shizzle real, really hits the fan, guess where they, um, they move to? They come here to Las Vegas. And then they decide to vote the same way. Ooh, what's the candidate? Oh, it's got a D by there. Perfect. I'm, I'm voting for, for him. I'm voting for her. These lobotomized morons are coming here and ruining what we've got. I need these. 
This is why I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. I, I understand exactly what happened in California. We want every single Californian here in Nevada who has who has seen, who understands, who gets it, and who is a political refugee, if you will, from the once great state of California. Those people we want. Those people will build up value here for us in Nevada. But the rest of them can suck it because they they need to stay there in the in the in the soup of what they've what they've concocted and created for themselves. It is absolutely tragic. It is so sad to me. It breaks my heart. Remember, uh, California has been in steady uh, incline in terms of population growth since its founding, since the 19th century. And that's, you know, that's the, that's, that's, that's what they, you know, that's, they, they, nobody talks about it. So what changed? What happened? Why is it worse? And it's because slowly but surely the Democratic Party took California over and they ruined it. And they ruined it. So sad. And don't for a minute think that these same lunatics won't ruin Nevada. They'll do it in a heartbeat. And by the way, it will be easier to do here because there just isn't as much natural wealth here as there was in California. The starting point is not as high, if you will. Okay, our economy is not that diversified. It's not that resilient. It is amazing how California, in spite of this lunacy, can still somehow function. But here I think the dissent will, will happen, would happen a lot faster. So you've got to spread the word. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, I, I am absolutely, I discourage when, I, when I'm out in California talking to people and I know they're, they're lefties, I'm like, You're, you would hate Nevada. Oh, it's terrible. I'm always, I mean, you know, you and I, you guys know me. You know how how big of a fan I am of of the state and and of, of Vegas in particular. But, but I I do. I tell people it's awful. Oh my gosh, the summers it's like 160 degrees. <laughs> the win, the winters are freezing. We have to bundle up. People wave guns everywhere you go. Yeah, I mean, just you you, you don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> I die. I totally do this. <laughs> I do it. And, and then I just watch their eyes get, get huge. And I go, yeah, no, it's a climate change thing. Yeah, it's, it's bad out there in Nevada. You don't want any part of that. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. Don't go anywhere, folks. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, your host. Rarely wrong, always right. Here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Enjoy our time together here very much. I do. Uh, 1 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. So here we are up against a weekend. Uh, still uh, reeling, I think, in some ways from a very busy news week. Uh, but I'm catching up on some stuff that we missed along the way. DeSantis. DeSantis had a, had a great appearance, actually, on, on Hannity's uh, show on Wednesday. 
And speaking of the madness and the insanity of California, DeSantis accepted the challenge of a debate between him and Gavin Newsom. This is how it all went down. Absolutely. I'm game. Let's get it done. Just tell me when and where. We'll do it. And here's the thing, Sean. I mean, in in one respect, the debate between California and Florida, you know, has already been had, as you suggest. People have been voting on that. They've been voting on it with their feet. They have fled California in record numbers. Florida has been the number one state for net in-migration. We have the number one ranked economy, number one now in education, crime rate at a 50-year low. But in another sense, this is the debate for the future of our country, because you have people like Joe Biden. They would love to see the Californication of the United States. Biden may not even be the nominee. You could have Gavin Newsom. You could have Kamala Harris. And I think if we go down that direction, that's going to accelerate American decline. We can't see America decline anymore. We need to reverse American decline. Unbelievably spot on. And go, go, go. I love this. I'm, I'm all for DeSantis doing this and debating Newsom. Um, okay, so <laughs> I, I think... This is uh, an opportunity for DeSantis to reboot. Because there's nothing more on brand for DeSantis than his incredible success that he's had in, in Florida. And there's also nothing more on brand for, for DeSantis than contrasting it against the disaster that is California. So he, you know, he all, he, he says, and this is a, a, obviously a, a true argument and a, a true fact and a great argument to make is that people voted with their feet. They've gotten up and they've left. And people are fleeing California in record numbers just before the break, sharing the story with you where the LA Times is going, how hey, oh, people are leaving LA County? Well, first off, they said, well, the population is dropping. It's not because they're leaving. And then in the body of the article, they, of course, get into the people. Yeah, there's a net migration out. And those people are leaving to places like Florida. They're even leaving to other counties in California. They're getting out of the loony bin. And we see it here in Nevada. We see people getting up and, and leaving California and coming, coming here. And they, they, you know, hopefully, I mentioned this before, hopefully they're coming here for the right reasons. But could a debate between Newsom and DeSantis shake things up for the DeSantis campaign? Absolutely. Could it breathe life into it? Yes. But what DeSantis will have to do is sit down and watch the Hannity, of all things, the Hannity interview that Hannity did with Gavin Newsom. Because that was a travesty. Hannity didn't challenge Newsom on anything. He just let him speak total nonsense and make up facts out of thin air in support of what a fantastic bang-up job Newsom is doing in California. Newsom does not have a record to run on. I mean, let's just rewind here, right? He, what, what his, two, his last two significant executive roles, because he was um, he was also a, 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 a lieutenant governor of California, I believe, briefly. Um, so, so, but that, that was more of a, I mean, doesn't have a lot of power in that function. But before he was governor, he was also mayor of San Francisco. T 
talk about one of the most beautiful, exceptional, incredible cities in this country that has gone to hell in a handbasket because of the people that run it. And you all know I'm right about this. So how can a guy like Newsom sit there and talk to Sean Hannity and and tell him, well, I'm I'm running on my record. My record speaks for itself. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Hannity must have taken a tranquilizer or something shot before he he did did that interview because it was just, it was all very disappointing. So I would say my advice to DeSantis would be to certainly sit down, watch all as much video as he can possibly of Newsom doing interviews, any debates that he did in the past, and be ready for him and go for the jugular. DeSantis could score more points in the Republican primary doing a head-to-head debate. A man, a man, you know, one-on-one debate with uh, with 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 Gavin Newsom, then he could debating the the other candidates in the Republican field. I mean, that's going to be important too. I'm not discounting that, but I'm saying this could be more important and more defining, and could be an absolute shift um, for him. Uh, you know, almost almost instantly. So this is this is big news. By the way, speaking of of the crazy stuff the left is doing, you, you know they're they're still thinking that we should be wearing masks. I, I, I've seen a number of stories about masks. And let's do a little rewind back to on Monday. MSNBC Jose diaz Bellar reports Dr. Kavita Patel was on. And Patel said this about wearing masks. What I think people need to know is that I would just hit people on alert that when you're in those crowded spaces, think about the coughs and the colds. And sometimes many people don't even have any symptoms. A mask can be your best friend. Keep it private. Back in time, we've had them in our pockets, in our coats, in our backpacks. Time to bring them out again, especially as the school season starts. We don't want to see kids missing school for things that we could have prevented. Um, okay. Your mask, I don't know if you guys knew this, your mask is your best friend. It can be your best friend. Just keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your coats, your backpack. By coats? The hell is she talking about? We're, who's wearing coats? I still wear my jacket because I dress professionally for work, but you know, who's wearing coats in Nevada? It's, it's so hot outside right now, I don't think a single COVID microbe could survive out there, but okay. These people will never let it go. But I, I'm all for MSNBC continuing to spread this type of fear in the liberal community because I think it's very helpful when you have, remember I mentioned, you know, how it happened to me when I moved here from California and my pull, you know, pull up to my new house and I've got my California plates on my car and neighbors kind of come, came out looking at me like, oh, not another one. This is how we here in Nevada can tell the good Californians from the bad. (laughs) If somebody pulls up to the house that just sold on your block and they've got California plates and they're wearing a mask, well, (laughs) you know where their information is coming from. If they're not wearing a mask, well, then you, there's a fighting chance that they've got two brain cells upstairs. I'm just saying, it's, it's, this, is a, this is a helpful indicator 
of 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 I don't know of some sort of political and um, uh, aptitude orientation. I tell you, you know, I fly a fair amount, and it's just it's so funny to me. I it is so funny to me to see people put the mask on and. And I, I think it's because they don't fly very often, and there are still people that have been so thoroughly scared by the media and all this that they're, they continue to think that they need to have, um, have this type of protection. So they, you know, they, they, they haven't been on a plane in, in, in a year maybe, and they get on the plane, and they're sitting there. And then I watch some of them look around, and nobody's wearing a mask, and they slowly, they slowly start to take it off realizing that all of us that fly regularly somehow have survived the last the last three years um, in spite of this deadly virus swirling in our midst. All right, friends, I'm going to take a quick break here. Top of the hour. Lizzo, the big fat singer, is in the news. Big Lizzo uh, getting sued. I want to talk about this. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Merjofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. That is me. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Now, I am, um, this whole week I've wanted to tackle this story and I just didn't get around to it with everything else going on. But Lizzo, Lizzo is in the news and there's a lot more to this than just the sensational accusations that are, that have been, uh, well, levied against her. Um, okay. Lizzo, first of all, Lizzo is a, a singer, a performer. She is kind of a, I mean, I've, I, I'm, not, I'm not into it at all. She's a, um, well, remember she's the one who played Madison's flute. Crystal flute. This is a, they took the flute from the Smithsonian and let her play the flute. The mainstream media went bananas over it. The superstar singer, rapper, and classically trained flutist took a quick but momentous break from her tour to play a crystal flute that was once owned by President James Madison. So, um, I get okay, it's the Library of Congress had the flute. All right, okay. So she was the first and only person to play this flute. And I'll tell you what this was all about. You know what the left thinks of Madison. They have completely forgotten that he was one of the greatest Americans to ever have lived and that we owe him as a country enormous debt, debt of gratitude for his role in crafting this republic. No, to the left, Madison is a white man, a slave, a, you know, slave owner. He is a, he is a, a bad human being. He is institutionalized racism. He is part of the original sin of this country. And so, of course, who would they give this flute to to play? First person. 
and only person beside Madison to play this flute. Of course, they're going to give it to this repulsive but very outspoken left-wing performer who everyone celebrates on the left for being this, well, she's transcendent in a lot of ways, various taboos. One, she's huge. She's really fat. And this is a, this is a side note. And I, I'm, I'm, it's, she's so fat, it's not healthy. Okay, this is not, she's not a few pounds overweight. She is, she's going to die young. That's how fat she is. But you're not allowed to say that. Just like you're not allowed to say that somebody who's a biological female is a biological female. You can't point that out. If they've declared themselves male, then, then you got to go along with it or else. And one of the things that Lizzo has, has done for years is uh, kind of build her brand around the fact that she's a big lady. And that it's perfectly fine to be big. That big is beautiful. Now, big may be beautiful to certain people out there. I'm not going to discount that. But the fact of the matter is that it's not healthy. And she needs to put down the damn cheeseburger. So, um, so that's what that's – what, that, this is Lizzo. That's just a little bit of background. So she's in the news this week because some of her backup dancers, some of her crew are suing her for sexual harassment. Now, I, I know this is a family program. I'm going to give you a, a kind of a thumbnail sketch of this. A couple of her backup singers, uh, names are Ariana Davis and Crystal Williams. They are also, uh, as best as I can tell looking at them, African-American. And they are they're part of her backup dancer crew. And they're accusing Lizzo of coercing them and other backup dancers to participate in some pretty unsavory stuff. In one particular instance that they allege in their lawsuit, they were uh, invited together with Lizzo. Lizzo invited her crew out to go to a cabaret, a nude cabaret in the city of Amsterdam. That's in the Netherlands. And they went there and they um, uh, were asked to consume bananas that were placed into a particular orifice of these sex performers at this cabaret. And the dancers that went along with it, they got trips, they got lavish private jet excursions, went to tropical locations, and they got work. And the ones that didn't, you know, got, didn't get calls back and ultimately got terminated. Here's one of the dancers explaining this there is so many instances where dancers who did you know have fun with her and you know um go along with like what she was doing and you know be down for anything that they were they were favored they were hired for more shows they were invited on you know like private jets and and to do cool things it's just like there was no line between professionalism and personal and so we had in our minds that if we weren't you know, down for anything that we would then be ostracized later. Um, it was this unspoken thing in the camp that if you um, weren't super fun, like if you did, if you like skipped out on all of the like outings and, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff that you wouldn't be seen in good favor um, from Lizzo and that you would then not be considered like one of the people that is like cool and down for anything and then therefore not be booked for, for as many jobs. Now, I want to tell you what this is fascinating, right? Because if this were 
a white man who had working for him some young women in whatever capacity, right? I mean, I don't care if he, this white man is a performer or he's, or he's a, a studio executive. And he took women from his office to an outing at a nude cabaret and asked these women to consume fruit placed inside of other women uh, as part of, like, fun and games. This person's life as he knows it would be over, like done. He would be canceled off the face of this planet. The real story to me here is that we do have privilege in this country. We do. Well, we have, we have minority privilege. You can get away with a lot more if you are a, uh, a, a minority, if you are a, um, a female minority. And nobody says this out loud because, of course, it's, it's, um, it's tremendously problematic, right? But if you replaced, I mean, I, I mean, can you imagine if this is something that a, I don't know, I'm, I'm not even going to name a male, you know, artist, performing artist, a white male performer. I'm not even going to bring up a name, but I'm just saying, if he were to do this, unbelievable. And I know it's been a busy news week, but this is making the rounds, but a lot of people are just shrugging their shoulders over it. Just going like, man, well, you know, it's whatever. It's uh, he's and right. These are just, I get it. These are just allegations. But you know what? I'm already seeing some emails here pop up about my fat comments. Well, you know what's? Can I tell you what is absurd about Lizzo and her weight? Guess what happens to these backup dancers if they gain weight? I guess what's good for, you know, what's good for the hog isn't good for the goose. Listen to this. When I was at South by Southwest, that was the first time I had showed up to a Lizzo event or gig, noticeably having gained weight. There was nothing different about me. My performance skills were the same. My demeanor was the same. My energy was the same. The only thing that was different about me was my weight. And in this meeting, she she stated as well that, you know, dancers get fired for gaining weight. And then she kind of paused and looked at me and I still don't know if she really meant to single me out in that moment. But when she looked at me and she said that I was kind of like, so she's really concerned about my weight. (laughs) Right. Right. Isn't this absurd? Imagine, you know, Lizzo looks like she's got some orbital moon circling her body. And at the same time, she's pointing at her at her backup dancers going, hey, I think you gained a few pounds. Again, what's good for you, it's, what's good for me is not good for you. And this is, by the way, you want to talk, I call this Democrat privilege. And this is exactly how they view everything. There's a different standard for Democrats. There's a difference. If, if Lizzo is woke and gets blessed by the woke movement, then of course she can get away with this stuff because the rules of what's appropriate for a boss and a boss's retinue of, um, uh, 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 of subordinates is different for MAGA Republicans or white men or whoever is not woke than it is for people who are. Who are. 
to me, this is completely reminiscent of what it's like existing inside a an ide- ideologically driven, uh, you know, uh, regime. How is this any different from living under Stalin? If you were in with Stalin, you could get away with with murder, literally. I mean, if you were Beria, you were driving around, you know, Moscow neighborhoods, picking up underage girls and raping them, you know, two, three a night. You could do that. That's fine. You have the. You, I mean, you're you're in with the party. All that matters is your party purity. And then, of course, you know, anybody who wasn't would, for the slightest offense, get hauled off to a gulag. That's where we are at in America today. And nobody wants to say this or write this because it's, it's, it's so dangerous to even utter these thoughts. But, but yeah, this is black privilege in Lizzo's case. That's Democrat privilege. It's woke privilege all layered on top of each other like a giant sandwich, which no doubt she would quickly consume. By the way, it is becoming a kind of a, a Republican thing, a MAGA thing to work out. <laughs> According to MSNBC, this is hilarious. Don't go anywhere. I got to share this with you. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk at 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you'd like to reach me, uh, you can do so at Sam. At samandashlaw.com. Sam at Sam and Ash Law. Spelled out, samandashlaw.com. All right. Just before the break, mentioning that it is that it is apparently being fit now qualifies you perhaps to be lumped in with the category of people that the FBI is going, <laughs> going after for domestic extremism. What do I mean by this? Well, well, listen, here on the What's Right show, we like, to, we like to talk about reality. And so, of course, occasionally we will poke a little fun at the left when they avoid reality or depart from it altogether. Now, here is an MSNBC piece from March of last year. But this is still very much a current thought, which is why I'm going to share it with you. Pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme, literally. That is the... Title of the piece. The subheading. <laughs> the subheading. <laughs> White supremacists' latest scheme to valorize violence and hypermasculinity has gone digital. And it basically equates being fit with being hypermasculine with being a white supremacist. Now, understand this is March of 22, which is right around the time that Lizzo, now accused of sexually harassing and discriminating against her own people on her, uh, on her, her backup dancers, um, around the time when she was really making it big in the world. I, do, I didn't mean to say that, by the way. Making it big in the world, and, um, and it was because, I'm telling you, she was being celebrated as an example of a poke in the eye to all of these Men out there who are working out, who are gaining muscle, looking fit, and who are, 
being now lumped into. There's literally a picture of people working out with within uh, uh, some scenes out of Nazi Germany from the 30s. Look at all those fit Nazis back in the 30s. Well, you know what? The reason they were fit, let me side note on this, Germany, Germany went through the worst depression in the 20s that you couldn't even imagine. It made, made our depression look like a walk in the park. These people were not eating the kind of food that Lizzo is eating. Okay, let me just... Let me just explain to you why these people are all looking pretty skinny. All right. Earlier this month, according to MSNBC, researchers reported that a network of online fascist fitness chat groups on Telegram are recruiting and radicalizing young men with neo-Nazi and white supremacist extremist ideologies. They're lured in with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this is what the left actually thinks. Physical fitness has always been central to the far right. In Mein Kampf, Hitler fixated on boxing and jujitsu, believing they could help him create an army of millions whose aggressive spirit and impeccably trained bodies combined with a fanatical love of the fatherland would do more for the German nation than any mediocre tactical weapons training. <laughs> You know, you know why the left hates fitness? They can't, they can't collectivize gains. <laughs> they, they, you make money, they'll find a way to take that away from you. But you gain muscle, I mean, it's pretty hard to, I, I guess they can start, you know, taking that away from you too. I, but, you know, somebody makes, and that is an example of somebody working hard, working hard, and getting a result. And they don't like that. The left doesn't like when people succeed on their own. If people work out, well, they didn't get that because of the largesse of the government. The government didn't come and give the muscles. The government didn't come in. And by the way, if somebody has the discipline to go in every morning to the gym or every other morning and stick to a, a regiment, by the way, something I am not that good at, and I ought to be better. Giving, I'm telling you honestly, I'm, I'm, it's not my, it's never been my thing. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I too probably could uh, eat a few less meals here in Las Vegas, but the food is so good. Nonetheless, somebody does that and follows that kind of, of, of uh, has that kind of discipline. They're far less likely to be a useful victim that the left can manipulate and make a reliable political surf on their ideological plantation, right? So that's why I'm the reason that MSNBC put out a piece that is just, I mean, it's ridiculous on its face and in its substance. Nazis, okay, so people who work out are Nazis. I got it. All right, that's a bit of a stretch. But the reason they're putting it out there is because that's how they feel. The left never thinks they feel. And they look at people who who go to the gym and who work out and who look good, and they are jealous. And there's then they get perplexed because there's no state mechanism by which they can take that away from them. So then the next thing is they'll they'll criticize it and and, and call it Nazism. 
call it fanaticism, throw around all the usual words that they throw around when they don't like something. And then they exalt a giant fatty, Lizzo, going back to her and her case that's now pending against her, where she was allegedly asked her backup dancers to go to a nude cabaret and consume bananas that were placed into parts of the nude performers. I'm not going to tell you more than that. But I'm, I'm just saying it's disgusting, and if it were a, 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 you know, a, some kind of conservative guy that did that, I mean, his life would be over. Even the allegation of it, even before anything was proven in court, end of line for him. But this is why the left, jealous of people in their success, in their financial success, in their education success, in their physical success, look to denigrate that by exalting people like Lizzo, who is not well. I'm looking at a picture of her. She needs to lose weight. Yes, some people might find that attractive and beautiful. It's not about attractiveness. It is not about subjective evaluation. It's objectively about the fact that it's not healthy. And apparently Lizzo herself would agree because she's part of this lawsuit as she's threatening to fire these uh, backup dancers when they when they gain weight. Go figure. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to samandashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Welcome back to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only attorneys to trust for an injury claim in Nevada or California, 702-820-1234. You can also visit samandashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajovsky here of Sam and Ash Injury Law. Make that disclosure here, uh, but I think you guys all know that. I am a lawyer, also a part-time talk show host, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. I love doing this show. I love spending time with you. Always great to be with you. You can always reach me, Sam, at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com is my email. All right. There's been some developments in the last 24 hours here with the uh, Devin Archer testimony that happened Closed-door testimony under oath in a deposition given to the House Oversight Committee. Uh, CBS is throwing some cold water on the illusion of access talking point. The illusion of access. Now, this is something that we were all told in the, the coming out of the deposition that, that, that Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devin Archer, the guy that was testifying, who was inside this entire scheme, working with Hunter, knew Joe Biden, was was setting up these deals with Burisma and other companies, getting millions of dollars in. And these two business partners, Devin Archer and Hunter Biden, were very obviously, according to Devin Archer, using uh, Joe Biden as a well, as as a as as collateral, right? As as a as an asset for influence on behalf of their clients. 
so this is this this is this is what it is now now what happened is after the deposition was given a lot of mainstream news media outlets cnn and others all talked about how it was he testified that it was an illusion of access now what's an illusion of access it's not real access right you're not paying for you know they, we we just kind of we just propped joe up and he was kind of, he got on a couple phone calls stopped by and talked about the weather and you know and said hey how's it going took a photo and like it was just an illusion of access well, it turns out when you go to page 116 of the testimony, the illusion of access line came from a Democrat, came from Dan Goldman, who was, who was cross-examining uh, the witness, Devin Archer, on behalf of the minority, the Democrats, on the committee. And now even CBS is starting to throw some cold water on this, which is not necessarily good for Joe Biden. Why are Democrats and Republicans disagreeing on the context of the transcripts? Well, earlier this week, we just had to rely on the characterization from Republicans and Democrats about Devin Archer's testimony, but now we can see the full transcript. Uh, you'll recall that Democrat uh, Congressman Dan Goldman said that Archer testified that it was the illusion of access to Joe Biden that Hunter Biden was offering to these clients. But in fact, when you look at the transcript, what you see is that that phrase, illusion of access, is in Dan Goldman's question. Mm. It's actually not what Devin Archer testified to. This is on CBS. This is Catherine Herridge. And she continues. He says, yes, but that's not quite fair. This was about showing that there was the signal that there's influence and, and access here. And Archer goes on to say that there were business meetings that Joe Biden attended or business meetings, rather meals with business associates. And what he also said is that after at least one of those meals, money was wired to Hunter Biden. Yeah. Oops. See, when I when I tell you that this is starting to drip, drip, get worse and worse for uh, Democrats, this is what I mean. Now I'm going to let me tell you what let me tell, read exactly to you what happened in the in the transcript, and I I read a lot of transcripts since what I do as a lawyer I've done depositions so I you know this is all normal stuff and and these are what we would call leading questions which are allowed in in a deposition context you can get away with it um, this would get challenged of course at trial if you were cross examining um, a witness or even on direct. So listen, here's, or particularly on direct, I have to say. So here's what you have. Um, all right. So here's what you have. Did, did Hunter, um, the question from Dan Goldman was, did Hunter Biden ever tell you, can I get my dad to change U.S. policy? The answer was no. Are you ever aware of Hunter Biden ever asking his dad to change foreign policy? No. And that's what Hunter, that's what Dan Goldman should have stuck to because that would help the Democrats case. But then, then he says this question, and this is from Dan Goldman. So is it fair to say that Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of access to his father? Answer, yes. So when you talk about selling the brand, Dan Goldman asks, and here Devin Archer goes, uh-huh. Question, it's not about selling access to his father. It's about selling the illusion of access to his father. Is that fair? And the answer is, is that, the guy goes, Devin Archer goes, is that fair? I mean, yeah, I think it's, that's almost fair. Dan Goldman goes, why almost fair? And Devin Archer says, because there, there is a, 
there are touch points and contact points that I can't deny that happened. Nothing of material was discussed, but I can't go on record saying that there was. There was communications. It goes back and forth, touch points. You mean Hunter Biden talked a lot to his dad? Talked to him every day? Okay, and then... And then he goes on through, and it goes on and on, but it gets into then some very specific things that occurred. And there's a timeline to back it up, and there's money that transferred hands after these meetings, and now CBS is reporting on it and throwing completely cold water on the fact that this was all reported as being the words of Devin Archer, and they weren't. These were leading words put into his mouth by the Democrats on the committee, and it matters. Because they've been talking about it a whole week. It's just illusion of access. So after they talked to Dan Goldman, this is what CNN ran with basically all week, calling it the illusion of access. This is a replay for Monday, but this is immediately after the Archer testimony, and this is what we heard over and over again. So Goldman's sort of explaining that Archer qualified uh, the, the topics of discussion on these phone calls as niceties that Biden sometimes didn't even know who was um, in, on the other line with his son, Hunter. And, you know, sources in the room telling CNN now that Archer did not point the finger directly at any sort of a connection between Joe Biden and his son's foreign business dealings and rather, you know, um, said that he was that Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of said access. Oh, OK. Hunter Biden. It was all those were the words of the witness. Right. Dan Goldman then did an interview immediately after uh, he and, and by, he was there. He was the one asking the question. He was the one who who led with that phrase and sought to insert it into discourse, which he did successfully. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with. Well, is he supposed to say, hi, son? Oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. And that is literally all the evidence is. Well, OK, so but these are shifting goalposts now. And what are what do I mean by that? Because when you go back to 2019, and, and, and Fox's Peter Ducey's asking Joe Biden about his business dealings with Hunter. This is the exchange. It just sounds a little bit different than it does now. Have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. And so how do you let's, know? Let's talk, you look, know? Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the, the presidency to try to do something to smear me. Okay, all right. It's all about Trump. And then in December of 2019, Biden was interviewed by Mike Allen uh, from Axios, and he downplayed all this Burisma stuff uh, then as well. Hunter Biden, your son, was getting paid a lot of money to serve on the board of a Ukrainian energy company facing serious corruption charges you were the vice president running point on Ukraine. The average Joe hears that and says, that sounds fishy. What's your understanding of what your son was doing for an extraordinary amount of money? I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. And there's nobody. Well, no you've had a lot of time. Isn't this something you want to get to the bottom of? No, because I trust my son.
<laughs> no, because my son made me a lot of money, um, and 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 I'm very happy with it. I've got a beach house now," says Joe Biden in the back of his mind to nobody out loud. This is this. So so now, okay. So now there were all these. It was an illusion of access, and 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 Joe very much had contact with uh, with Hunter's business partners. And the the testimony that is the testimony that is is, is out there, folks, um, is, um, is is not helpful at all to Joe Biden. So what does this do? Does this turn anything? Change anything uh, in the uh, in the election for twenty four? Uh, very much so. This is going to be a central issue, and be why the Democrats ultimately look to get rid of a deeply deeply wounded president, and candidate. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I'll be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. If you think it's just illusion of access and that Biden wasn't lying in every single interview when he said, I just didn't know anything about what was going on, never talked to any of these people, none of that, then you you, you have to suspend a tremendous amount of disbelief. Sam Orzhovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Remember, here's the timeline. In December of 2015, on the 4th, the Burisma Energy Company had a board meeting in Dubai. We know this based on emails on the laptop. We know this based on testimony by Devin Archer. We know this. The board meeting was followed by drinks, okay? High-level Burisma officials got together with Hunter and Devin Archer, and they asked to get help from D.C. They had a problem. The board had a problem. And this, we, we know this because... There's that FBI guy, the, 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 um, the, the, the witness, the, the informant, the reliable informant who details all of this too. So anyway, their problem is with a guy named Viktor Shokin. This is a prosecutor appointed by the government in Ukraine back in 2015 that was investigating Burisma. It was a problem for them. Now the phone call is confirmed in the Devon Archer transcript. Listen, I did not hear this phone call, but he did. He called his dad, Archer said, referring to who? Hunter Biden, talking to the then vice president of the United States, Joe Biden. How do you know that? The Republican asks, okay? So uh, because he, I think, because I think Vadim Pozarski, who is the, one of the controllers there at the company, told me, Archer said, and he's referring, yeah, uh, corporate secretary, excuse me, so after the committee took a break, Archer wa- walked it back, all right? The attorney asked him to begin the interview again with a clarification, and then they kind of backs away from it, all right? So, um, so that the, Matthew Schwartz, by the way, the lawyer representing Archer, this is an interesting note, they, they received a warning from Mr. Biden's attorney. So Joe Biden's lawyered up in this. We knew that. He's got a lawyer on this. There is exposure here. And they are, they are literally threatening this witness, the Biden family is, because both, both Hunter and Joe Biden are lawyered up here, all right? But here's the timeline. It continues. 
from December 7th to the 8th, then, this is how many days later? Three days later? So coincidental, right? Joe Biden goes to Ukraine. He flies to Ukraine. And there he meets with, with, with folks at the government and threatens to withhold a billion dollars in aid that had been previously promised. Why would he hold that up? Well, he says, he literally brags about it later that he wanted, he got a, he got a prosecutor fired. He bragged about it at a Council of Foreign, on Foreign Relations event back in uh, 2018, three years later. President Poroshenko, then president of Ukraine, commits to firing Shokin. And then 2016, Shokin still isn't fired because uh, apparently Shokin was so important that uh, they needed to get him. So again, Joe Biden meets with President Poroshenko in Switzerland at the World Economic Forum reinforces the need to it. And then, you know, by, what is that? That's January of 16. There's another call in February, on February 11th, between Vice President Biden and President Poroshenko. And on the 16th, President Poroshenko asks the Prosecutor General Shokin to resign. So this is, this is a little odd, no, this timing? Basically, between December Fourth meeting, Burisma tells Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, tells them, hey, I want this guy gone. From December 4th, it only takes, what, two months, essentially? By the 16th of February, the president of Ukraine fires this guy? None of this is suspicious, right? You'd have to suspend all reason and critical thought to think that any of this doesn't link up. So I, I, I look, um, and, and oh, and, and then, right, let's not forget that, that Biden, right, does all of this. Trump asks the people in Ukraine, hey, you might want to look into their Biden dealings with Burisma. And on that basis, <laughs> Trump, Trump suffers his second impeachment. That ought to be a signal to all of us and a, a broadside against Trump. You, you even question our criminal conduct. You even dare do that. We will bury you. And that effort to bury Trump continues through this week. We are in 2023. Nobody exacts retribution like the Bidens. No one. And I got to tell you, um, it's... Um, yeah, I tell you, it's um, it, it's unbelievable. So I, I wh- what do I think of all this? I, I, I think it's just going to keep getting worse. I think it's going to get worse for the Bidens. The plea deal didn't happen. It fell apart. There may end up, I don't know, being a special prosecutor. I, regardless, I, the Republicans are going to uncover the criminal conduct to the point where it will be undeniable. And remember, a lot of this is going to get sorted out politically. There's a major election at stake. So let's say that the D.C. establishment finds a way to sweep all this under the rug. Whoever is the Republican nominee will run on the basis, not just that this was the Bidens, but the entire Washington, D.C. Democratic Party establishment that used the law, the Constitution, the federal bureaucracy to target Republicans and at the same time allow for fellow Democrats to get away with murder. 
I don't know much about uh, people. I, I, I think sometimes I, I don't exactly get into the minds of independents because I'm a far more principled person and I don't dangle in the wind based on, you know, how people, you know, what the feelings are out there. But I get the sense that even, in particular, even those middle-of-the-road independents, the people that lean a little right, independent thinkers and the like, are going to be mega put off by this. And the message they will want to send to D.C. is clean it up. And if the only people doing something about this are the Republicans, well, imagine that. Maybe we win the Senate in twenty four. Maybe a Republican Senate and a Republican House, a Republican GOP-controlled Congress can clean the swamp up one hearing at a time. Maybe we can dispose of, the Senate can dispose of some of these cabinet secretaries like Merrick Garland that are enabling all of this, that are allowing for the Bidens to do this. So this is um, this is this is this is big stuff, and an enormous amount of um, yeah yeah. There's a lot of you know a lot of stuff. By the way, <laughs> I mean there's more to it. You know there was a there was a meeting in, in Cafe Milano that we found out in all this spring of 2014. Joe joined Hunter and a handful of his business partners there. It had a bunch of interesting folks there. Kenneth Rakishev, Kareem Masmov, Yelena Baterina, and even maybe a guy named Eric Schwerin. Archer did confirm Joe was present long enough to eat dinner with the group. And following the dinner, $3.5 million was wired from a Russian billionaire into the Rosemont Seneca Thornton account on February 14th. And by the way, this is part of the amount of money that then Suddenly, magically, the Moscow mayor's wife, uh, who is, you know, an oligarch, has a lot of money, all of a sudden ends up not going on the restricted list. No sanctions for her. Wonder who intervened on her behalf. This whole thing stinks. All right, let's have a great weekend. I'll come back strong next week. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Be well out there, folks.